Unfiltered episode here. Love and heartbreak, real estate unfiltered, the true stories from the people behind the scenes. I'm so excited today that we have uh, Jill Biggs. Uh, we were having some good laughs before kicking this off. And I think I always laugh a lot with you, Jill. Uh, we've known each other for a long time, uh, mm -hmm. some of the different conferences and Zillow conferences and things like that. And you are by far my favorite person to just hang around. Um, but more than just a great person, you run an amazing real estate team. So you've done 424 sales in the last 12 months, but who's counting? Uh, I think Except something me. like <laughs> <laughs> all those numbers on the board are probably the ones you guys have done the last week. Uh, 478 five-star Zillow reviews. You've been in the business. Those are my listing conversations, actually. I love that. My personal listing conversations for the month. So. So every uh, time you have a conversation, you turn around on your board behind you and just mark another one? Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. I have well, to do 100, so I got to, like, step it up. Oh, 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 do you, like, cross it off each time? Yeah, you when? see, I don't know if it's up to date. As of today, it might actually be 12. But I, you know, if I can get 100 listing conversations in and 100, like, Serious. This is a lot. Just oh, that's a lot in one month. That's so three conversations getting... a day, Saturday and Sunday included. Yeah. So yeah, well, so that's the problem with me because a lot of the the stuff that I do is kind of on the fly. So if they're expecting me to come back and report on it, like you know, I have conversations with people on the weekend, and I'm not necessarily telling anyone, but right. I'm a work in progress. I think we're all a work in, uh, in yep. progress. I think the fact that you are a work in progress and you have, what is it, you know, something like 65 people on your team between agents and staff and everything and have done the accolades. And for people who don't know you, you're one of Tom Ferry's like, you know, keynote speakers at all of his events and one of his shining, you know, examples of successful agents. But, you know, how you got there and speaking of like work in progress, it's, you know, I, I know because we've had conversations, but it's kind of interesting because you kind of had very different beginnings than real estate with the bookstore in Hoboken. How did that, you know, it was a children's clothing and toy store. Chil children's clothing and it's toy store. It's why I, I have so many little... kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You it's know, I, more children's people... <laughs> I just needed people to dress. So I, I, you know, I got a lot of kids and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I actually like and thrive on change, which, okay. um, like I reinvent myself, not, not always intentionally, but what happened? Did Greg do something over to I just I just made a huge mess in our studio, which is awesome. Uh, I just totally spilled my drink <gasps> over everything. So luckily, no electrical equipment blew up. But uh, <laughs> those are the behind the scenes things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll try to edit that out. Uh, um, so wait, so you were doing the clothing store, but well, I actually like how yeah was a New that. Yorker, like you guys, and. 
Exactly. I have to say that because the New York agents that um, look down their nose at me when they rent, you know, 20 things a year and they think I'm from New Jersey. So they're kind of mean to me, which I always find entertaining. Um, so I got to plug the fact that I'm a New Yorker, because even if I've been here now for 30 years, when I travel and you ask me where I'm from, I say New York and you say what part? And I say New Jersey. <laughs> and then I have to explain. Right. But uh, whatever. I was living. People would, people would mistake that. They would not know that you are literally the queen of Hoboken real estate. So they would be mistaken to assume that. But. Well, unless you've been to Hoboken or Jersey City. And maybe this is different, but I probably I doubt it as a small little New Yorker. When they raise you in school, you learn that New Jersey is, you know, horrible. Like all they see is from, you know, 95 and Elizabeth and whatever. So they, they, New Jersey has a bad rep. It's like they call them the bridge and tunnel crowd, including I did, right, growing up. And so getting me to come over here to this side was not that easy. And um, I only ended up here because... I well, I was a New York City bartender, and at a certain point, I decided that I could only wear that little rubber dress for so many so much longer, right? So I'd probably have to do a different thing. And I answered an ad in the New York Times. I was living in the West Village, and I got a job in managing a bar in Hoboken by the PATH train. And that was the first time I'd ever seen Hoboken. And I was doing that reverse commute. And it, you know, I had a baby and like my baby, I think three days I had the baby at the bar. It wasn't going that well. My husband was pissed off. And, you know, actually, I was kind of happy because I got to leave the baby at home with him, but it wasn't working for him. So I opened a children's clothing and toy store. Not that I had no experience, no business experience and I just, I had a kid and I thought, well, I like to shop. And he gave me a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I said, well, first I said, I, I don't really want to have a business. And he was like, everybody wants to work for themselves. What are you talking about? So of course I opened this store and, uh, and it did well because I am a very, very, very good shopper. Probably I'm as good a shopper as I am a realtor. Right. So, okay. <laughs> you know, I excel. If I'm going to do something, I do it extreme and with purpose, whatever that is. So I did that and I I networked. Right. When you're trapped in a store, you meet everyone where you are. And so I learned, you know, about business. I had that for 10 years. I actually opened, moved, opened a second store and then. That was all going well, but we had, don't ask because it was stupid, but we had decided that we were going to go like the most beautiful place we'd ever been, which was Maui, but we'd only been there on vacation. So really poor planning. Um, so we went, we moved to Maui. Uh, I sight unseen rented this house and we were, we lasted maybe nine months. He loved it, was having a good time. And um, I was, I stopped getting dressed. I was like drinking during the day. And I was 
finally at Christmas, I would, I was like, I'm leaving and I'm taking the kids. So of course he had to move. And fortunately for me, I had only rented out my apartment in Hoboken and I took it back and I was an unemployed mother with, I, I think I had this accidental baby, right. That I gave birth to right when I got back from Hawaii and, uh, I needed to do something. So I figured I had sold my children's store and I'm like, what am I going to do? So, but I had this database of the 7,000, you know, women who had shopped in my store and it was a high end store. And I started, I called them, I got on the phone and they gave me their buildings. Like my first sale ever was the highest residential sale in Hoboken for the year from somebody who was forced to work with me, even though I had no idea what I was doing. And man, was that painful. She works for, with me now as part of oh, my- Oh, really? Because I oh, convinced I her she should be a realtor. Yep. <laughs> that was much, much later. I asked, I have a unique um, thing with my team where we call them the OG, the original okay. group. Yep. They're all my girlfriends and, and some guy friends that I decided- you should be a realtor, right? So I, you know, I, I have, um, we have a good time. Our group has like nice culture. Yeah. Which... Well, what's also interesting about your culture is not only do you have those friends with you and like, oh, geez, you also have family with you too, right? So. Listen, everybody, and I have everybody, everybody's kids. Like we're all very interconnected. And um, what originally, like when we were much smaller, I made everybody join a different organization. We have, you know, the president of the synagogue, the head of the CCD, the, I had the, the gay runners club, the, like everyone went in a different direction so that we would have a huge sphere. And that worked. I mean, my poor children, went to every single school. I actually bought a house in Jersey City and sent one of them there so that I could get in, right? Everyone was like, mommy needs to branch out. You're going to vet school this year. So they're, it, they kind of worked. And I, I don't remember who had some podcast once and asked me my my if I had it to do all over again or my key to success, go and adopt children. Get like four of them. Right. You Adopt want to take children over, and get some children, them to different, put to them different in different schools. schools, join every one of those boards. And um, and like though people want to work with people they trust and that they like. Right. And you have to get in front of them. So, yep. you know, but that's how I, I ended up. I, I decided what what am I really going to do? And I became a realtor and it was a good fit because I'm incredibly interested you could say nosy, but I'm not nosy. I like to ask questions. It, it actually makes my husband insane. But I will ask until I know everything. And people love to tell you about themselves if you're if you're listening and I'm genuinely interested. So that it kind of works in our industry. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, you were doing that even before we uh, were getting on the call here. So I feel like you gain tons of information by uh, how you do that. And I love what you said that if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do it extreme and with purpose. And I don't, 
know that there's any more extreme way than just having kids to farm them out to different schools so you could be connected to all these different areas as a marketing strategy. <laughs> I, I actually like, I, I operate the best and whether this is a curse, right? I'm sure it is. You put me in chaos and that is when I perform at my highest level. Like if there's 50 million things going on, my my superpower, Tom Tom Ferry told me this, yeah. is I can fix, you know, I'm a I'm a massive fixer. Whatever is the problem, give it to me and I'll figure out how do I get there even if it's out of the box? What what is the way that I'm not going to, you know, have this defeat me? And so- so tell tell me a little bit more about that. Tell me like a what's a specific story you might have because I feel like you just have probably hundreds, if not thousands, of chaotic stories where things are not going your way or maybe your team's way, you know, and something like that. What's like a specific story or example, you know, that really highlights how you do that and you do that out of the box? So, um, oh God, all I do is fix things. Re- recently, we. Uh... So we have grown a lot. During COVID, when everyone went on vacation, I put my head down and I worked. And so I got to the point right after we were all shut down where I had 200 listings and I was the only person working. And that I was literally giving therapy like at 11 o'clock in the backyard to people that were afraid, you know, everybody was leaving and they weren't going to be able to sell their house and whatever. So I, I needed help and I grew. And so I have a lot of newer agents now and getting a new agent trained, right. Has we've learned, you know, we've learned, we've got more systems, more training. We've learned that you don't know, right. Well, and until you know, right, the problem, you don't like even know about it. They don't know the things that you think that are everybody, right, should come to the table with. It's not true. Right. So I had an agent who sold a unit and the way our MLS reads, you put down under parking, even if you don't have parking, you put parking slash other parking slash other means you can park. You just got to find a spot. Right. <laughs> but you would not know that, okay. like if you were a newer agent. So right. she showed a property and the agent who accompanied her, who worked for the listing agent, he was also new. So he showed the people the garage. Like there's a garage in the building. We don't know that you don't get parking, but there is a garage. So we get to the closing. And it's like the day of the walkthrough and they don't have parking and, but they're buying this unit with parking. And I'm like, fuck, I don't, like, I don't think that's ever, and I've ever sold the property without that. So I am trying to figure out how am I going to keep this deal together? I called the listing agent on the phone where we all, the people doing lots of business know each other. And I said, listen, we have a bad situation here, right? So let's figure out what to do. And we actually got these people a year of valet parking service, right? 
You know what I mean? So they would take nice. the car and park it for them, right? And manage to keep that deal from dying. But like figuring out how are you going to overcome this when you cannot make up a parking spot is is <laughs> tricky. So I spend a lot of my time doing that when people have problems that the walk through because they find something I'm like scrambling. I got, you know, I have like four handymen on like on notice at all times. They're like, stop doing that. You got to get over there. The window is falling out and you got to do it in the next 45 minutes. So it's just a, a constant, you know, what, what do you do when, when things are not going the way they're supposed to be, which I think is real estate. Right. Right. Oh, 100%. I mean, things are, there's so many things that are outside of your control, our control, the client's control. So, and you can't really control that, but you can control how you well, react to it and things like yes. that. So, and you yeah. have to, even though shit is not going well, you got to maintain like, oh, everything is fine. It's great not a problem meanwhile you know the pipes exploded the water is bursting you got like like you're in there with fans trying to get things you know dried up or that like it's real estate is is um it's like damage control at a high level well and it, it can be really really stressful and i know one of the things like as you know as you've grown right now you have all these other people and agents who are experiencing these things and, and probably to varying degrees of how, you know, maybe none of them exactly like you in terms of their ability to handle this stuff. Like, how do you kind of educate other people to be able to deal with all the stress, deal with the craziness and still find the creative, you know, solutions on your, on your team at this point? So I'm constantly trying new strategies Recently, we've divided the team into pods with pod leaders and the pod lead, they're supposed to go to the pod leader for deal doctoring and for help, right? Because part of making a deal, I don't know, New York City is big, but here everything is having multiple offers and your relationship, right, with the other agent is important as well as asking all of the questions so that you end up with like the best deal for that seller. Um, and then when there is a problem or a home inspection issue, or you have somebody else that can hopefully help you that is not me. Now that it like it, it's new and um, and we're working on trying to, you know, alleviate some of my my time wasted. And and we make a list, every single thing that you would think that you should know that you don't know, uh, which has which comes up, right? We add it so that in our weekly meetings and in, you know, everyone has a six week training when they start that they have to graduate from where we try to cover the, you know, the things that could go wrong. And then we do shadowing. You, you don't realize that a lockbox um, in the winter might be frozen, right? So you have to have a cup of hot water or whatever that is, or that if you take the lockbox and you smash it five times like this, that perhaps it will loosen it up and it will, like those things that you, you know, right, that others don't 
is uh like there's a long list of of those and of those uh, things <laughs> yeah and i i'm we're it's like a running joke here because we it's amazing when you have young people and you haven't for such a long time because we didn't used to have quite so many you know my daughter is 27 yeah. and um i probably have god uh, between the age of maybe 25 and like 35 there's 25 agents and they're very different so i had a lot of middle-aged women you know and then i have all of these young people that i'm i'm looking at them i'm like are you guys all high like what the hell is going on <laughs> or, you know it's I, like i'm trying to give them good habits but it's almost like i'm here and then i get to go home right because i have kids ranging from 20 to 28 almost 29 and so i'm i'm dealing with the same things. I'm like, well, perhaps if you go to the bar at three o'clock in the afternoon, that's not going to do so well for your paycheck in three months. Like, <laughs> the, the, it's, it's like a fine line of trying to get them to understand that, you know, if you're not reaching out eight to 12 times and they average lead converts you know, between eight and 12 times and you only called them once and you called them right in a, at a time when they would be at work. So as to not have them on the phone, how do you think that's going to work out? Like it's, right. it's not that easy. Um, yeah. and, and some of them succeed and some of them quit and, uh, you know, and, and, but it's nice when you see them do well and, so we, you know, we're, we're working on that. It's always a work in progress. What, and what's, yeah, I, I love, I was listening to a quote, you know, from one of my agents uh, today where it's a, it's a simple business. It's not an easy business. So, you know, picking up the phone, calling, things like that. It's simple, but it's not easy. Uh, not everybody I think is able to, you know, is able to do that. Um, it, you know, do you remember, was there any like point in, whether it was like your work or career, or maybe it was like another agent where they were struggling, 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 you know, and then all of a sudden just things clicked, like you changed, they changed, like maybe talk to me about like a specific instance of one of those, like, you know, yeah. turning well, points. I, listen, when I started, I remember there was that several months, um, where I would come home and I would be like, this is great. These people are going to buy that house. And I'd be all excited. I was adding up the commission check. Life was good. And then they never bought, right? I was like a tour <laughs> guy. And we try when we see the agents and they're taking people out for too long, one of us will step in and help. So that shadowing and that partnering up with somebody else so that you can see that if you're never asking them to buy, they're not going to buy. They're going to, they're going to buy. They're just going to buy with somebody else. So that's, that's a, like, I saw it with my kid, right? I have like, she's a, I remember when she started and she did not want to be a realtor. Like in college, I made her right 
get a real estate license. And then um, I told her if she didn't pass the test, she was going to have to walk back to school. Right. It was a plane ride away. But so then she was forced to uh, to work with us and she used to come to work straight from the club, you know, <laughs> get off the <laughs> elevator. And Jeremy from my team would be like, have two Tic Tacs because you could smell the vodka coming off her. Right. And I remember literally the first year she one day I got this phone call and it was somebody they were at a property and they were like, oh, Phoebe's supposed to meet me. And I called Phoebe and she said, mom, it was a beach day. So like she was at the beach and nobody showed up for the appointment. That was when she started. Right. This is this is she's young. Now she's like completely driven to the point where she's calling me at 930 at night, like pitching buildings. And she's like, no, 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 I don't want you to help me. Just tell me what to say, what like she's and she's helping the other agents because she it clicked and she got it and she understood. And and she I think she asks more questions than I do. Really? So what was that like? What was that turning point for her then to go from like, you know, drunk, not showing up to, you know, being a total rock star in the the business? So and I think I really do believe it's different for everyone. Yeah, she had the advantage of because her entire life she was forced to be quiet and listen to me on the phone that every single script that I have, that's learning scripts, right. And getting new agents to understand that they think I don't have a script. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I was forced, right. Well, they gave me a phone book to call people and I used, it wasn't like it is now. Right. Everybody, you were on the phone and that was it. That's not necessarily what, what we're creating nowadays it's things are different technology is different but she's she learned to listen i think that that shut up and listen right and that you know like as basic as it is you have to let the other person tell you what what it is that they want and then actually right all the money is in the follow-up and it's hard for agents most of them are salespeople. they're not organized and getting them organized and getting them to actually run their business like a business is is easier said than done it's you know i don't know like she had a lot of help right she with us everybody here all of the og right where we all tell you stories about you know helping Phoebe, but she has kind of a natural ability to match and mirror. It just, she's very good at that. And that's a, I don't know that you can give that. Like I'm trying to get the younger people familiar with, you know, who are you talking to? And you have to memorize your script because if you have to think about what you're saying you're not you're not able to hear what they're saying and but they don't really get that and they all have phone fear phoebe doesn't have phone fear because when she started we gave her my database and we said Mm. here it is start calling 
right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, it's hard for me to get them to be comfortable with being on the telephone. And, and we record things now and we'll, during meetings and trainings, listen and try to point out, well, how do you think that could have gone better, right? When you called up that person and they said they're no longer looking and you said, okay, and hung up, but you didn't ask, well, tell me about that. What, what happened with your situation? Did you, like, there's none of that until you get them past the phone fear. And yeah. I don't know. And I don't know if you have a better answer on. No, no, no. I think, look, people you know, continue to like mature in their life and then what the business breeds and tasting different, like, you know, success and what it, you know, what it brings. And it's so different than how they're growing up with the different technology and social media and apps right now and being able to have those conversations. Well, um, and the other thing is, and this is interesting with, with that age, I keep explaining to them, text has no tone. It works for some things. However, you're getting stood up 50% of the time. I would, nobody would ever stand me up, right? Because I picked up the phone and I had a conversation like a grown up, and they heard me, right? And we connected. So, but if you get an appointment and all you do is text and you never speak to them, they don't care. They're an internet lead. They're, there's been no sticky relationship, but it's still hard to, you know. And then I read, I had, I got a text from somebody, right? Somebody had come to an open house and I I guess I had spoken with him, made some notes. And when some things popped up, I sent it over to him because it reminded me of him. And he sent me back a message and said, thanks. He asked me some questions. He said, I don't really know how it works. Um, I put the name down of the agent that I had bought my current house with, um, not not sure, you know, what you know what what that looks like. Whatever he said, something to that effect. I responded back with, you know, totally understand it can be confusing. You're you know you're looking for something that's out of the box. Would it help? you know, to work with the the agent that has the majority of listings in the marketplace so that when something comes on the market, you're the first to know and you could actually end up with the property. And he was like, yes, that makes sense. Wait, but the person next to me said her response before my response was, I would say, oh, no worries. We will cooperate with anyone, right? Completely a different, because she read it one way, but my head heard it a different way. And right. you you can read a text with a different tone of voice four different ways, and it means something completely different. And it depends on what filter you're listening through. And right. I think, you know, getting them to have an understanding of what would have been a better way to, you know, to 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 get that to happen with the outcome that you wanted is is not as easy as you think. I, I I agree with that. And it's an even harder thing to to teach. But I think you've like mentioned some great pointers just in terms of like listening, follow up, how you stay organized, the match and mirror, how you get over that phone fear. I think what you're kind of hitting on too is that like ability to go, you know, really just go for no. You know, would this category 
or or would it be something else in terms of you know like what's your most frequent advice to some of those young agents or new agents you know in the in the business does it have to do with something like this or is it you know something else your most given piece of advice to them oh god i spend a lot of time with with um my little appearances for them are in their scripting and for whatever reason i they give me their objections and mm-hmm. i give them how i would answer them right and i'm you have to make your objection handling like it has to work for you if you don't have a sense of humor probably don't try to get a sense of humor right i'm like when i'm with my listing team and i have somebody who doesn't want to reduce their price and i look them in the eye and say do you want to die in your apartment and then i wait <laughs> right you can't say that unless you got to you know what i mean it's like it works for me so if you're stone faced with it then you're just the grim reaper but if you have a sense of humor <laughs> like at a certain point it's like i'm here to support you right yep. so getting getting that across like with the simplest um things for newer agents you know when somebody the follow up right or having everything have what are you going to do next right if you leave an appointment and you say goodbye right and never see them again but if you're going to leave an appointment and at the end you say so this is what i'm going to do next i'm going to send you blank 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 and blank you're going to hear from me tomorrow at 3 p.m. right and then getting them tomorrow at 3 p.m. right to set that task up and we use follow up boss and then you know I, returning your call, you know, or calling you back as promised, right? And then providing doing what you say you're going to do is so important. I have it written up, I think on the wall out there. Like yep. if you tell somebody you're going to do something, you you actually have to do it. Right. Otherwise, yeah. people don't trust you. And I think that the number one thing that trust and trust and confidence right the the that's a you get confidence from doing things right and from feeling competent and trust well we really do try to never do anything heinous to anybody it's it's been um a good strategy throughout my career <laughs> if it's a you know there's another that's another phoebe phoebe's I, first I love, deal ever right I love, I love that quote is uh jill biggs you know to build trust we don't try and do anything heinous so <laughs> no and i i'm explaining to them all the time i'm like do not sell them that property right that is a horrible property over a sinkhole with you know, like whatever it is if you know there's something wrong you can't be in it because for the money because 2 years later when they want to sell it or when something happens who do you think they're going to hate so that you know i have i have canceled a bunch of their their deals which doesn't always make me that popular i'm like no nope, that's not going to work out i'm like give me that phone don't buy this property right so there is you know there's those lessons i don't know yeah i mean i think that what you're hitting on is like like you know that long-term trust with clients and 
you know, what that ends up, you know, generating in terms of like referrals is just so important. And I love what you were saying, you know, the handling objections. I think if you're in sales or, you know, just anything within real estate, persevering well, through objections is really what you're doing. Um, instead of just there's only so many objections, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I think, but you still have to know what the answer is, you know. Like I told you about Phil Jones and his yeah. Worst time to think of what you're gonna say, right? Is while you're saying it. So you should probably work that shit out beforehand if you know, you know, that they're gonna tell you. Well, the biggest objections that they're getting are we've decided to put our search on hold, right? Then if you know everybody's going to tell you they've decided to put their search on hold, you better have an answer. What are what are you going to say to that? Rather than saying, okay, and hanging up the phone. Yeah. Yeah. And what what about for your clients that you speak to? And I love the board behind you as far as like listing conversations and things like that. Whether it's a seller or buyer, what's like what's the most frequent piece of advice or things that you are educating them on? Well, for sellers, my, my, my strategy, I think is, and, and this is different for everyone. We're super full service. So mm -hmm. we do everything the right way and we do it before we ever let anybody in the property. So every appointment you got one shot and mm -hmm. That way, it's only price, right? If, you're, you, if your helm doesn't sell, it isn't, right? Because it wasn't staged and it wasn't painted and you didn't fix the cabinet hanging off the wall or your shitty building looked, you know, like it needed help. We make sure that every single thing is exactly as it should be so that when we, when we go on the market, if it doesn't sell, they're they have an understanding that it can only be price. And I think, you know, that that has worked for me. And, you know, and it's not, I do it because if you don't do all those things, we don't get paid if we don't sell the property. And then I'm also like, if I think that people are unrealistic sellers, um, I'm like, you know, listen, I totally hear you and you can call me back. I'll be your third realtor. <laughs> and, then, and I shut up because I'm not taking a listing that I can't sell. Right. I'm happy to try it at your price. Right. Based on lack of inventory. But we have to have a meeting of the minds going into it. I don't want to buy anyone's listing. And that's you know, especially with inventory now and appointments that I'm going on most of the time, they're, they're competitive. And a lot of agents will tell you anything that you want to hear, whatever, just so that they can get the listing because they want buyer leads or however that looks, whatever that looks like, or, you know, they're going to beat them up for a price reduction. That gives me a headache. And yeah. you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that to be my business model. So control also is big with, with sellers. I'm super controlling to the best of my ability. I try to keep my team tight, mm -hmm. you know, like with, with attorneys, with here, and I don't know how New York City does it. The appraisal gets scheduled and 
the buyer the buyer's agent does the appraisal right you guys are different because the listing agent accompanies everything correct uh the listing agent does go for a lot of stuff in new york city yeah well here if you're lazy stupid (laughs) you let the buyer's agent show up at the appraisal and they don't bring the contract they don't bring the comps they don't have a floor plan and then you hope and that's that's the strategy for for most people which doesn't work out for me Mm. so we're pretty tight on um process and everything that goes on things that have to happen so that we have as much as possible in control you know obviously there's things that you cannot control but what you can control you should yeah absolutely i was always so big on that with uh you know with my team it's all those little things in the process and it's such a hard thing to communicate to sellers how much all that means but i think for people listening here you know if you're working with an agent who is doing all those things i hear from agents across the board all the time price is usually then the thing you know in terms of like the biggest holdback if you're a seller so you know i don't think people want to hear that but when you hear it consistently across the board and obviously there's you know whether you're in a different market from hoboken or you know what have you it's it's consistent um you know pretty much across the board so i feel like we are only scratching the surface so we are gonna have to do probably a, a part two i feel like with uh with you um, well, all you really wanted time. was the funny right i i i love i'll give you it. the funniest. i love all of it with you <laughs> you know me i'll just sit by the pool and let you go <laughs> we'll, we'll put a camcorder on and just go <laughs> so listen I'm going to finish this with, I'll give you my funniest story. Finish us off. Oh, it's 931. My fun, um, funniest story. Well, I don't know. I had a showing, and this was at least 10 years ago, because probably it wouldn't happen now, although I don't know. I went to an appointment, and I could hear a big dog barking ferociously. So I called the agent on the phone, and I said, hey, I hear a very loud, scary sounding dog on the other side of this door. And she said, open the door and say, get on the bed. So I opened the door. There was like a 120 pound German shepherd barking at me. And I said, get on the bed. And the dog got on the bed. Like, I don't know. I think now that would probably be like a lawsuit. I don't know know that I'd be doing that with my dog, but the... I also took this couple and I they will remember it. I took them to see some units and I had I got to know them, right? So yep. I was I was being funny. We went into the unit and the bedroom was kind of like the light was off that you could kind of see. And there was a, a bump in the middle of the bed. I thought it was mm-hmm. a pillow. I squeezed it and it was a person. And they and we all screamed and ran out. So don't oh. squeeze any any pillows. Don't squeeze. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't squeeze anything in an apartment that you don't know what it is because it might be a uh, it might be a person just lurking uh, lurking. Yeah, around. those those are the tips for new agents. Also, <laughs> right, if you're late to your appointment, make sure that you knock because we one of our agents was late 
like 15 minutes and walked in and the woman was sitting naked eating ramen noodles noodles on the sofa and he opened the door and she the noodles everywhere and then they shut the door and ran but so you know be conscious of the time right oh man or uh you know i hope they helped her pay for some cleaning up of the uh of the ramen noodles she was uh, really on. really not happy <laughs> yeah she uh, was the tenant it was fucking terrible Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, that oh was my goodness. very bad. Yep. Those are those are some phenomenal stories to uh stories to end on. So anything else you wanna say, parting thoughts or uh wisdom for, for everybody? I don't know. You know, I got whatever. I I, I can talk about it just about anything. Uh, so uh but since it is now 934, we'll end here. And if you need advice, any of my sage wisdom on anything else. We, we, we'll know. we'll have to get a uh we'll have to get a round two. There's like only tipping the surface. We might have to just do a completely unfiltered episode and just hit the record button when we're hanging out uh sometime oh. and let it go. So <laughs> I think I'm good for you because I get you to drink. Yeah, I, I think you're good for me and a lot. We're very much like, <laughs> you know, we're very Although, much, you know, yin, I stopped. Yang. I'm very like kind of, you know, I, I'm a little boring and you're very exciting. So like together we, uh, you know, it's always been a good balance. So. Right. Sure. <laughs> there you go. I mean, on that note, I'm going. I, wait, was, so wait, did you, were you about to say that you've cut, cut down on drinking from me? Is that not me? Oh, I know. I have, I have cut down on drinking although i will tell you hold on that i i i do have this <laughs> so next to me in case things are not going well but, <laughs> um, but like i had dry january which went into like just about dry february and i'm currently not drinking frequently because i don't I like it's the morning. I love popping up in the morning. Yeah, you worked out this morning. You feel good. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, in that boat. I got a marathon, marathon coming up. So, you know, you know me. I'm only doing a marathon if there's shopping somewhere at the end. <laughs> if you're going to do anything, do it extreme. Yeah. Do it all out. Jill Big. Yeah, whatever. That's, awesome. That would be my <laughs> advice. You're going to do it. Do it better than everyone else. Do it better than everyone else. Do it extreme. So I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I wish you and the team over there the best. I'll have to stop by in uh, Hoboken at some point uh, too to see yeah. you guys. So uh, I, gotta, I told my kid who's a serious hardcore skier and wants to move currently to Vermont um, that you have a skier and you were just in Aspen. She was, she was, I think, I don't know what you do with skis when they're upside down or maybe waxing them. I don't know what the fuck she was doing, but she's ironing and- and Yeah, 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 the wax and all that sort of, yeah, Okay, yeah. like she's not a well person. And that, I blame that all on uh, COVID because in COVID, all she did was, uh, she's a software engineer. She mm. did that. She went to that mall, that indoor skiing mall. Yeah. And she went every day and it was her and the Hasidic Jews skiing. And you got to go to the mall and see it. It's This is not a racial thing. It just yeah. seems to be an activity. But, yeah. but whatever. Needless to say, she's out there now skiing and is going to move. 
and doing it. I love it. I, I got to find her a different sport that's closer to home. Vermont's not too bad. So skiing's a uh, skiing's a good sport to do uh, long term. We'll have to catch up. I can catch up uh, with her on that. I got a lot of tips from some of the people out there. Uh, we recently, got a lot so. of we got a lot of good skis. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's another another thing you can shop for. So if she's going to do it, do it extreme. So no, 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 no. I read Atomic <laughs> Habits and it said that people Start identify small. with. No, I don't identify. I'm not a shopper. I like to shop, but I don't want to say any more than I'm a shopper because it's unhealthy. Right. Yeah. I'm challenging myself. I like to drink, but I'm not a drinker. There you go. I. I think you identify as a very, very successful. You, I always admire you for just being an incredibly successful person, incredibly real, inc- incredibly transparent, as we spoke about. And uh, the way we balance each other, I just always have a ton of fun when I'm with you. So I appreciate okay, you. Um, the last thing I'm going to say is yeah. go out and get one of those graffiti artists and let them do something really sassy behind you. Let them do it cooler than... Some no, stuff, just yeah. something, you know, some street thing. Street thing. All right. I dig it. We have a yeah. couple artists in here. I might take yeah. you up on that. Oh, Next well, time we know. do this. I always like a little some good graffiti. All right. All right. Okay. Cool. It's very New York. So it's very New York. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, Jill. Have fun. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Love and Heartbreak, Real Estate Unfiltered. If you got anything that made you laugh, learn, we'd love to hear your comments. Got suggestions? Send us an email at podcast at elegrin.com. Big thanks to our support team, and we'll be back next week with more unscripted stories. And until then, like, subscribe, please share this with friends. And in the meantime, have fun, help people, and enjoy. Enjoy.